0: Hello, you are listening to the Russian Tuesday podcast.
1: А ты знаешь, какие у нас северные ветры? А ты знаешь, какие у нас снегокилометры? Кома, письмецов в конверте, письмецо из дома.
0: Listening to the Russian Tuesday podcast. This is your host, Jim, from Russia Without BS. That's nobsrussia.com. And that song right there is from the movie Boomer. Uh, that's Russian slang for uh, uh, Beamer, BMW, popular brand over here. Um, and the, the song there, it's called, if you want to look it up, put it on your MP3 player, it's called Moskva Magadan, that's Moscow to Magadan, okay, Magadan's in Siberia, not a pleasant place, uh, and that, that singer there, he's, a uh, singing about being in prison in Siberia, he's a political prisoner, he's been in prison for his political belief that it is okay to, uh, punch people in public when you are in a drunken rage, and, that was the case he pled in court. Russian court didn't quite uh go for it and uh so now he's in Magadan and he's always happy to get packages and uh you know the letters from people at home and who doesn't know that feeling? Well, anyway, so this is the uh this is the pilot episode of the the podcast and uh you have probably figured out already even if you're not a professional audio technician or something. You probably noticed that uh uh, the technology here is a bit rudimentary. Uh, when I say here, I don't mean like here in, in Russia. We, we certainly do have access to uh, good audio equipment here. It's just that I personally don't have that kind of access. So, you know, the way I rationalize this is you can sit there and say, okay, I, I want to make a podcast, but uh, you know, I don't have enough money. Uh, I don't have, you know, the, the best equipment, and uh, I don't know how to do this. I can't get access to this. So I guess I can't do anything. You know, or what you do is you just uh, you learn, you experiment, you, you just put out the product. You know that, that's that's basically what I've uh, been trying to do. So this is a, this is a first and just warning you ahead of time, uh, obviously, uh, we do have a lot of plans for future episodes and I think uh, in time uh, with trial and error, uh, that we'll improve our, our craft as you could say. Uh, anyway, uh, so the topic of um, today's podcast, I, I was talking with one of my co-hosts. His name is Stephen with a P, so as in a P-H and not V, so Stephen with a P. And we were going to discuss a few topics, which, if you're going to talk about Russia, these topics are always going to come up, and they're going to be, I, I thought they were good as introductory topics, because they tend to be the first thing that you encounter when discussing Russia. And the, the two topics are, first of all, the question of bias. Simply being a Westerner, in my case an American, living in Russia, people are going to make a lot of assumptions about you. Um, that Russians will make assumptions about you. Uh, other foreigners living in Moscow will. And then people back in your home country, they will also make assumptions about you, about why you live there or something. It, it, it seems like it's, it's always a... Uh, like a political statement to live here and i find that kind of ridiculous you know, many people live in uh, different countries and uh, they don't necessarily support the government of that country or it's not for some you know political reason or something of that sort and so that's one thing you're going to encounter uh, you know because it, you're going to encounter this this uh, these assumptions uh, because just the subject that's be associated with russia is just a highly politically charged, emotionally charged topic. So, Stephen with a P and myself will be discussing the issue of bias. Uh, we will also be discussing the issue of uh, stereotypes. Uh, stereotypes that people have about Russia, but especially about actually living here, like what it's like to, to live in this place. A lot of people have this idea that it's dangerous. They have the idea that... Uh, that it's like a sort of dystopian dictatorship. Uh, you know, I don't want to, when I describe this place, uh, the, the, what it's like, when you know, it, I, I would certainly say it's, I, I would not say that this is a, a, a free society, but it's also not a dystopian dictatorship where you're living in fear uh, every second of your life uh, actually as we'll, as you'll see from listening to our conversation a lot of things that go on here they just don't affect you and you can really kind of just live in your own insulated bubble and not really, uh, not really be affected by many of these things um, of course with the situation now uh, you know, it's a different story Uh, Because, you you know, there's there's economic issues now. Those things will reach into your life and affect you, unfortunately. However, as as far as dangerous, no. Uh, Depressing, sure. Annoying, definitely. Mind-boggling, yes. But, you know, dangerous, uh, dystopian, 1984-style dictatorship, no. Uh, Not that at all. So, without further ado, I'm going to switch over. I present to you the Skype conversation between myself and my one of my co-hosts, Stephen with a P. So, let me introduce Stephen with, is that Stephen with a P. Hey-o! Uh, not a P, yeah. And he is also from America, is a long-time colleague of mine, and has also spent, I think we've spent about the same time, the same amount of time in Russia, uh, maybe you more often on, but you've been coming here since, uh,
1: 2005? 2005, so... I would, I would put my total time pushing seven years, about seven years, maybe six years, know, somewhere around there. It's, it's hard to remember with the, all this heavy drinking. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I came here the first time in 1999 and then came back in 2006. Been there ever since because I'm poor. So I'm not one of these people who can like pick up and go back to the U.S. for a year and, you know, take a year long vacation and everything. But anyway, Stephen with a P. I, I need your help today to talk about uh, the issue of bias anytime uh, Russia comes up in the news, especially if you look at the comment sections of you know any any articles about Russia or something, you're going to get these accusations of bias and they're like serious accusations of bias. I'm not talking about like you know, like in America where they say like you know, well, that's typical of the liberal media to put a slant on this. I mean they're accusing the author of working for the CIA. Or the author is getting accused of working for the you know, the FSB. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's what like the KGB, one of the agencies that the KGB split into. Uh, you know, you work for the Kremlin. You're a, you're a Putin apologist. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, what's what's been your experience with that kind of dichotomy about bias and pro-Russian and anti-Russian?
1: Well, you know, um, if, if you talk about journalism, um, with bias. I hate to say it, but I actually, I do see a bias leaning uh, one way or the other. I mean, it very rarely uh, in reports, particularly those you find in English, um, will be non-biased. Um, it, you know, I, I, I
0: do. I have to say, I do agree with what you're saying there because I, I should have made it a little bit clearer. Uh, the bias is definitely there. That's one thing. I mean, it's not a myth. So, yeah, as you were saying,
1: yeah, no, and and um, I think it's difficult, um, particularly when uh for you know a public, office, you do have a bias, and you know, of course, everyone does have a bias. So, to say that you know it's bias free would be impossible. Um, however, uh, if you go to it on a more personal level, I mean, if I if I speak about myself, which you know, I guess this is us speaking. I get this question a lot in Russia, you know, uh, do you love, do you love Russia or do you hate Russia? Do you love America or do you hate America? And and that is a dichotomy that is really difficult uh, for me personally to answer. Um, I mean, I do, it, you know, it is it, it, it impossible. I mean, unless you're an idiot. I,
0: I, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is like idiots make the best patriots, you know, because kind of like, well, oh, I got this flag. Uh this is my team, I'm on the Team America, and, you know, no, I am Team Russia, you know. Yeah, so, <laughs> that, uh, uh, best best to be an idiot in that case. Yeah,
1: yeah and, and I think one of the, the biggest problems is that, you know, if you're around me long enough, you'll hear me complaining a lot about Russia and the Russian government, uh, but I mm. think that's only for the sole reason because I live here and I spend most, you know, all my time in Russia – and I'm affected by what happens in Russian politics. And You know, I, I, I'm the same
0: way. I mean, I've lived here so long that Russia is just my reality. And I depend on the government to keep things in order. And, you know, when when, uh, when, when there are problems here, that's the, the immediate thing I react to. If someone tells me, yeah, well, you know, there uh, there's corruption in America, too. You know, first of all, the degree is very different. But second none of that makes any of these problems here go away. You know, that's something, this is something, and I think we could dedicate an entire episode to that. It's called, some people call it whataboutery, whataboutism. Um, you know, you make a criticism about the Russian government or something, and uh, usually you get this from, uh, you'll, you'll get it from Americans who haven't even been to Russia. They'll say, well, you think it's bad there? Let me, t- let me tell you what it's like in Obama's America. And... The thing is, like, look, when uh, what I want to tell is, like, you know, when I lived in the U.S., I was a critic, a very staunch critic of the U.S., and I still am. It's just that I don't really get a lot of opportunities to have, like, intelligent American political discussions here because I don't live in America. Um, but the thing is, when I lived there, I was an activist. Uh, you know, I spent time doing anti-war activism, uh, counter-recruitment. I'm not some flag-waving uh, Lee Greenwood fan. Uh, It's just I happen to live in Russia, so problems here are my problems.
1: No, and and I I would actually I would agree with you entirely. And actually, if I'm in the United States, I'm probably a lot more critical of the United States um, of its problems uh, because I am an American. Um, Here, I try to be hesitant, uh, I guess, out of the sole fact that I am an immigrant and I don't really want. Uh, a lot of negative attention towards me. You know, I may have personal opinions, but I might just keep them to myself. Uh, whether that's a proper thing to do um, is another question. But if you want to go back to the question, you know, are we anti-American? Are we anti-Russia? Or, or you know, uh, it's, there's so many good things about this country. And if you spend enough time here, you will really see. There is some amazing things. People here Uh, some of the, you know, friendliest and most intelligent and interesting people I've met, uh, were Russian. But, is, are they intelligent and interesting, you know, in all of this because they're Russian? I don't think so. I think that, uh, they're intelligent, interesting, and kind people everywhere in the world. Um, but one of the things that really does bother me, um, I guess in defense of Russia, are a lot of stereotypes that are pushed upon this country, uh, which, unfortunately, seems to come a lot from Russians themselves. Um, not always. Yeah.
0: Oh, did de- definitely. You mentioned stereotypes there, and you talked about it, and you did bring up an interesting point, that there are stereotypes about Russia, from outside of Russia, and there are also stereotypes from within Russia, uh, that the Russians actually believe in about themselves. Uh, could you give us an example of, of either of those?
1: Well, I guess I want to start with the stereotypes uh, about Russia from Russians, and um, I, maybe I can't—I can't verify I'm 100% sure that this is from Russia, but I've only heard it in Russia, and that is the idea that foreigners believe that on the streets of Moscow there are bears roaming the streets.
0: This one pisses me off to no end. I've
1: heard this. <laughs> I've heard this. Everywhere I go in Russia. Um, And I I would would like to say, I have um, some friends who are biologists who actually live near Lake Baikal in Siberia. Uh, They spend uh, months at a time living in the woods. And to be honest, they rarely see bears. And in fact, I have personally seen more bears in the United States than I have seen in Russia. Um, But this is a stereotype. I mean, it's, it's kind of it's it's, yeah, it's an Example: you trying to show that Americans or foreigners are idiots and ignorant about Russia.
0: I, I, I see this a lot. Yeah. Well, it's funny. They always say, you know, like, oh, you think this country is all bears and vodka and ball-a-like? As I say, look, most Americans don't know what the fuck a balalaika is. It's not that they're ignorant. It's just they don't, they don't care. Nobody cares, you know. But the thing about the bears, this is this is my take on the bears thing because this happened to be a lot. People would often ask me. They would say are you surprised that there aren't beers walking the street? And when they say bear, most people here, when they say bear, uh, they pronounce it beer. They say, like, you know, do, are you surprised that there are not beers walking the street? They say, well, you know, the beers are not walking the street so much. I mean, the people holding the beers are walking the street in, you know, in Moscow at a lot of the clock in the morning. Uh, but beers are not actually walking. they say, no, beer's the animal. And it's like, yeah, I know. it's just, you know, man, you know, we too mad there. Um, But about the the bear thing, I I think it's like a confusion here because, yeah, Russia, um, a lot of times when there are references to Russia, um, sometimes in entertainment media, for example, but also like political media, um, you know, you see a bear representing Russia, Russia's represented with a bear. And that's just a symbol that's historically associated with Russia. Um, It doesn't mean, the idea that this symbol is associated with the country doesn't mean that people think there are a lot of those in that country and that they walk the streets everywhere. The bulldog has been associated with Great Britain, but nobody says like, oh yeah, go to go to Great Britain and they just got these packs of wild British bulldogs walking around the streets.
1: So Though I'm pretty sure in the United States there are bald eagles everywhere.
0: Oh yeah, it's really a problem because you know you, you throw a rock in America and you hit a bald eagle and then you get arrested because they're endangered. Yeah, no, I mean there, there are there are souvenirs. If the audience doesn't really understand what we're talking about here, if you go to uh, you know go to Russia, go to souvenir stand, you actually see T-shirts that say you know you can buy a souvenir T-shirt. I've been to Moscow, there are no bears or something like that. Um, I wanted one actually from Kazan. Um, you can look this up. Google Kazan sometime later. Uh, actually Google Tatar sometime. I wanted one from Kazan that says, I've been to Kazan, there are no flying snow leopards. That's this the this Tatar symbol is a snow leopard with wings flying. So, uh, yeah, they, they don't have those in spite of having that as their national you know, symbol.
1: Are there actually any, any, uh, leopards at all?
0: That's an interesting thing. Uh, no. Uh, snow leopards, uh, have not been in that region for a long time.
1: Another stereotype um, about Russians that, actually, this is a stereotype, I guess, comes from foreigners, is that uh, they are all drunks, they love to drink vodka, and that they're totally badass and love to do crazy things. Um, and actually, living in Moscow, I'm kind of upset, because a lot of the Russians are not totally badass. In fact, they are complete pussies. Um, what I mean by that is that, you know, they're not, you know, running down the street with axes chasing after each other. Yeah,
0: I mean, what you're seeing when you watch these videos and stuff like that, you're seeing people in provincial Russia. I mean, occasionally, it's like one of these ethnic republics where, uh, you know, life is, is quite hard. And if you don't, just like in any impoverished part of any country... If you don't stand up for yourself, you will get uh, you will get taken advantage of. You know, or in other cases, um, you're seeing videos of guys who are in the military. I mean, specifically like Spetsnaz or BDB, it's their airborne forces. And yes, these these guys do some crazy stuff. Um, you know, the actual effectiveness of all this in real combat is debatable. But the thing is, yeah, it is by definition badass to break break you know, flaming bricks with your head. I'll give them that, definitely. Uh, but that is not the average Russian certainly not the average, uh, you know, Muscovite.
1: Uh, another thing that, it's not really a stereotype, but I think it really should be, Um, it's kind of a little known fact by, uh, foreigners, is that Russians are deathly afraid of cold things. Um and I don't mean cold air necessarily, I mean air conditioning, ice,
0: that is true. Yes, ice. Is, that's why uh, it's very rare that I mean, in most restaurants, even in Moscow, uh, it's very rare that they will put ice in your drink. Uh, a few restaurants will usually ask you if you want it, or but many times you will actually have to ask to get ice. Air conditioning is seen as this like horrible, horrible, you know, killer of men, uh, which to me is just uh, insane because I, um, you know, when I explain it, look, I'm from a desert, okay. Everything is air-conditioned. We don't rely on fans. That's not going to work. You know, Everything is air-conditioned. Uh, yeah, drafts, uh, ice, cold pavement, uh, that's very common. But if you don't mind, I wanted to bring up that thing about drunkenness and vodka, uh, because this is a, a, an incorrect foreign stereotype about Russia. Uh, look, let's be honest. Alcoholism is a huge problem in Russia. Uh, but it is not, first of all, it's not how much people drink, I would say. Uh, college students in the U.S. get plastered. Uh, the Czechs drink more alcohol, or at least more beer, than any other nationality in the world. Um, the problem in Russia, first of all, is, is where and when people drink. I, personally, it's not my thing. Um, I've kind of become a teetotaler by default. But the thing is, if, if you're, if I was going to go to a pub and, you know, we want to get drunk, yeah, yeah sure. You know, just keep, keep ordering the pints. But the thing is, that's in a pub. That's a social occasion. A pub is a place where you, you know, you go to drink, you go to communicate. But if you're going to go to a place to get drunk, a pub is a really good place to do that. And the evening, especially a Friday evening, is a really great time to do that. Same thing with your clubs and even, you know, house parties and stuff like that. If you're getting, you know, hammered is your thing, then that's a good place to do it. The problem in Russia is that, like I said, you, you'll be walking around. Uh, I, I was walking somewhere... Um, Go you to know, my fitness club actually, and uh, I see these young men, probably early twenties. It's about ten thirty in the morning, and they got beers, and they're just drinking beers, you know, on the street. And you know, I want to point out, I don't, I don't live in like the worst area of Moscow. Yeah, you know, this, this is actually, this was actually quite close to the center. I was, I was within walking distance of the center at this point, uh, where I, I had to walk from. And this is a normal sight to have people walk around with, with bottles. But the main thing, uh, the main thing that people are drinking. That's the problem. It's not vodka. These people don't drink vodka. And, and vodka is not the thing that is that is messing up uh, you know, society in terms of alcoholism. Uh, the problem is beer, uh, cheap beer, widely available, and uh, a sort of category of drinks, which in Russia are called cocktail, um, you know, the cocktail but actually, I would say, by American standards, we'd probably classify them as a malt beverage comparable to, you know, Zima, Smirnoff Ice, that kind of thing, except far lower quality and usually, like, you know, alcohol energy. And, uh, yeah, that's what it is. It's not vodka. But, though, though
1: I I've, I've ha- I have read – hold on, I need, I'm going to open up my cheap Russian beer. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um,
0: no, why, not, why not canned wine? You, you can't find that canned wine anymore?
1: You, you know, I, it's, it's hard to find because, you know, since I moved from the, uh, the shithole that I was living in, uh, the can of wine is just not as readily available. Uh I think you just said red wine. We just quite bad. red.
0: red wine. And is, you know, I like that. It's just you know, it's just like we're not even gonna try red wine. You know, it's kinda like uh I used to buy this brand of vodka. Uh it was nine ninety nine for a gallon. I'm talking back in the States now, right? So dollars nine ninety nine for a gallon in a plastic jug. It was called um winner's cup. And what I loved about a Winner's Cup is that it had, it had on this very, I would say very Spartan label, a sort of slogan that said, the best vodka in the world. And I thought, you know what, you've got balls. You've got huge fucking balls to have your vodka in a plastic jug selling it for under $10 and calling it Winner's Cup with a label that looks like you printed it. You know, you printed it yourself, right? And you say the best vodka in the world. And the, and the best thing about that is, Winners Cup also had like the same deal, same deal, plastic jug, one gallon, but it was like Canadian whiskey, you know, bourbon whiskey. And I never stopped to read the label, but I, I bet if I did, the you know, it would say Winners Cup, the best Canadian whiskey in the world. That that, that is, those are some huge balls.
1: You know, I, I, I was you mentioned that Russians are not big vodka. I mean, maybe in Moscow, uh, the street vodka drinking is, is not that big of a thing. Um, however, I, I have lived in Siberia for quite a bit of time, and uh, at least six or seven years ago, when I was living there, vodka consumption was still quite high. Yeah, but see, it could be just
0: like uh, 10 guys consuming the majority of that and pushing the numbers up,
1: you know what I mean? That's very possible. That is very possible. Though... So, I'd also um, to mention the fact about Russians not drinking as heavily uh, as the stereotype says is that um, among young people, particularly, there's a real movement of sobriety, of trying to be really healthy, of not smoking. Which uh, smoking actually is one thing that is very, very common in
0: Russia. Yeah, we should actually explain that a little bit. Um, one of the things that I was surprised about. Is uh, The first time I was in Russia as a teenager, I noticed that all these other teenagers smoked when they were 16. But that was not too odd for me because uh, even at the age of, like, 15, 16, uh, I, had, I think I had friends in the States that smoked. When you're, like, 16 in the U.S., there are ways to get cigarettes. And you can look 18 um, so that people will not bother you if you're smoking a cigarette somewhere. So it's a bit hard to get them. Uh, I mean, it's hard to buy them in the store and not get it hard and all. But that was not so odd. But the thing that, that, that struck me is when I returned to Russia and I had to, uh, I used to have to walk by the school and on the side of the school I saw some, uh, there were some girls uh, who looked like they were probably like 11 and 12 and they were smoking. They were smoking. It's funny, like all smokers like, I mean, it, Maybe it does make you look more mature or something because they just looked like these sort of like veteran smokers, you know, taking a smoke break. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty common here. Um, I think at one time there was a. So I was walking home from somewhere. A girl who appeared to be uh, like 13 asked for a, a light. And uh, yeah, so smoking is uh, is a big issue here. Um, although there is now a total smoking ban. And in Moscow, you can't even smoke outside uh, on the outside patio of a restaurant, and there are no smoking sections whatsoever. Um, this is the first that, that went into effect in June, and this is the first winter of the ban. That's going to look very interesting. What do you think they'll do to get around that? Uh,
1: I mean, to be honest, I would hope people would quit smoking, but um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I've actually been. Um, it, it's really interesting because. Uh, uh over, recently i've been taking uh bike rides in the center of moscow on friday nights going around the clubs and
0: you mean those are allowed in russia i thought bikes were bad for being western
1: no, no 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 they 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 are allowed they're allowed i have a a neon yellow safety vest that i wear to uh avoid being hit by a crazy russian driver which i would have to say if you have ever seen any of these dash cam videos about driving in russia um, it is completely true. Uh, Russians are terrible drivers, and it is incredibly dangerous to drive here. Uh, but yeah, and, and you should uh, point out,
0: you are a driver.
1: Yeah, I am. I am a daily driver in, in Moscow, and I have driven uh, not throughout much of Russia, but I'd say in Moscow, um, where the roads are actually built relatively nice compared to the rest of the country. Yes, and you also have a
0: dash cam of your own, too.
1: I do have a dash cam, of course. I would never not have a dash cam. That would be...
0: Yeah, me, me personally, I prefer not to drive here at all. You know, my experience here is I usually have to, uh, from time to time, with certain clients you know, you have a driver, and so I did get to experience. I mean, uh, as a passenger, I've experienced, uh, you know, driving here, and uh, it is... Um, it's very different from the U.S. Sometimes I wonder though if they don't have certain advantages because in the U.S. you know we kind of we're about following the rules because you got these cops and they'll pull you over. Well, actually,
1: I, I just want to finish about the smoking thing. Uh, while you're know, right around the center, right around clubs, it seems that currently, while it's still warm, there are more people outside the club smoking than there are actually in the club. And, in fact, they have, uh, around the clubs, they create, they have, like, a rope barrier for the smokers to huddle around, so they're still, they pass through face control, uh, which is a very uh, strict control of, you know, letting people, cool people in and keeping the uglies out. Uh, so they so they have a line going into the club, and then they have a second rope barrier for people who have already been accepted but need to be smoking outside. So... Uh in the winter I'm not quite sure how that's gonna work. Um, I assume the coat check system will be hell.
0: Yeah, that's that's the main concern right there because pretty much everywhere here they, they demand you take your coat off in restaurants here. And obviously if people are gonna go out and smoke, they're gonna have to put the coats back on, it's gonna be hell. Uh, beginning, you know, getting back to the issue of bias and myths about Russia. A lot of times, I mean, when someone talks about bias, and like, you know, in the beginning, you know, I was talking about how, how this, the accusations of bias will always come up in discussions about Russia. And as I tried to clarify, it's not that the bias doesn't exist. The bias is there. Uh, and one of the things I really hate about, you know, trying to write on Russia, trying to comment on it, is that as soon as you do that, you end up kind of almost like self-censoring sometimes because the thing is that um, the way the, the two sides, everything divides into two sides and either you're hundred percent on one side or you're hundred percent on the other and nothing in between. And usually like one of the best rules of thumb, if you're, if you're reading the work of a particular journalist and you want to see if this person is trustworthy, One good rule of thumb is to look at what people... If you see the people in the comments accusing them of being a Putin apologist and an agent of the Kremlin, and then you see in the same comment section about the same article, people are accusing them of being a a CIA agent or some kind of, you know, psyops, disinfo agent or whatever, and this is about the same article, that tells you this author is probably trustworthy. If you're pissing off everybody when you discuss Russia you're probably right. It's just a general rule of thumb. doesn't work in all cases, but that's... In, in, in my approach, uh, what I try to do with the blog, I decide I can be balanced and very objective, not because I think that you should be balanced for balance's sake. Uh, sometimes there's a side, you know, one side in the argument really doesn't have a valid argument. They don't really have logic on their side or, you know, their argument is just invalid. Um, it's not about balance for the sake of balance, but... What I believe is that I don't, I, you know, I have my own side and it happens to not be the Kremlin and it also happens to not be the West, whatever that is, US, whatever. I have my own side and I don't have a stake in the games of these two sides. So if, if Putin or the Russian, someone in the Russian government happens to be in the right or says something intelligent, then I will give them credit for that. Um and likewise, you know, if they're doing something stupid and the US or you know, some US leader says something accurate about it, then I'm I'm gonna credit that as well. Uh but I have no interest in you know, taking up the cause of the so called, you know, human rights warriors of the West who want to portray Russia as this horrible totalitarian dystopia. And by the same token, I'm not gonna support the idea that, that Russia is like some you know rising superpower and uh, an island of, of good, wholesome values, uh, you know, while the, the degenerate West is crumbling away. These are just fantasies, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. Do you find that sometimes the people who get most upset about the way you speak about Russia tend to be, first of all, they're non-Russian, they're often Americans, and many of them have never been to Russia? And these people can be the most passionate about it. Um, what's What's your feeling about that?
1: Um, I, I would I would say no, um, only for the sole, sole reason that um, I try my best to avoid talking to foreigners um, while living abroad. I mean, talking to whether, how do you non-Russians live in Russia? Well, I'm
0: talking about, uh, in your, you know, discussions on the internet,
1: for example. Oh, well, well um, in that case, um, you, again, I really, j- I, 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 maybe if you were to ask me this question a few years ago, uh, I would say, yes, that the most fervent defenders of Russia are non-Russians. However, um, over the years, I've become so incredibly jaded by, uh, basically the discussion of Russia on the internet, uh, that takes place in English, um, is, and the reason why that is, as you said, yeah, it's because you have foreign one, the foreigners who are fervent defenders of Russia, uh, for seemingly nonsensical reasons, uh, or Russians who speak, uh, fluent English, who either tend to which for the most part tend to be foreigners, Russians living outside of Russia, uh, and then they have their own hypercritical views of Russia. So, to be honest, if you really want to get a good uh, viewpoint from Russia, I would suggest avoiding the internet at all costs.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. You know, there are certain uh, there are certain things you should just avoid at all costs. Uh, for example, uh, YouTube comments. Forget it. Yahoo News comments, like, I mean, Yahoo News comments, what I love about those comments is that it doesn't matter what the story is about, somebody's going to write a comment about Obama in there. I would say um, avoid discussion of Russia on the Internet, because what I, th- I just had this the other day, um, I was in discussion with someone, you know, one of these uh, pro-Russia uh, people, um, I don't know his nationality, definitely Western, but possi- possibly not American, I think. And it turns out the guy is actually a fascist. I did a little, you know, research and, you know, kind of checked this guy's views, and uh, I know a fascist when I see one. And uh, so, but in the discussion, um, at some point in there, uh, you know, uh, what happens is that I don't... You know, I don't appear. There's no reason when I enter a discussion. There's no reason to think I'm actually in Russia or that I've lived here for a long time, right? So the first thing people will assume about me if I happen to be saying something critical about Russia is I'm this ignorant American who watches CNN and loves Obama, and I'm living in America. I don't know what I, you know, I, I don't know anything. I don't, uh, I don't watch uh, that, that, you know, that, that. Channel, that Russian channel that's, you know, the one with the name that's really similar to the name of this podcast. It's
1: ET or something? ET.
0: Yeah, it's like ET or something like that, or yeah, like Romeo Tango or something. But, Anyway, so I must be this ignorant American a sheeple who just goes along with whatever Obama and his NWO socialists tell us to do. And then at some point I I say, um, okay, look, I've been living in Russia for like over eight years now. So, you know, when I say this is what's happening in Russia and you're not there and I don't even know you've ever spent a significant amount of time there, it means that I win. And you lose. I'm sorry if that's not fair, but I I win. I'm here, right? This is what's happening in front of my face every day. And what happens at that point though, sometimes they start assuming that I'm Russian and they say, Well well, if you if you think if you think Russia's bad, you should see the United States. We're losing our freedom and our police are paramilitary think your police are paramilitary. First thing I notice off the plane the first thing I notice off the plane, my first time in Russia in nineteen ninety nine. In the jetway, there's a guy there in a military uniform with an AKS 74U. Okay. That is a standard, that's standard equipment for Russian police patrols. It's been that way, it still is that way in some areas. Uh, you got three men walking around a marketplace, one of them's got the AK there. And, you know, you, and then you know, that, that's not even talking about, uh, Amon, which is like the, uh, you know, kind of like a SWAT team. And in fact, the, the police used to be called the militia, militia. Up until uh, what is it a year ago, two years ago? When did they? Uh, do you remember when they changed the here? Yeah?
1: Ooh, uh, that would have been I want to say about two years ago. Yeah, it was in March. I remember that.
0: I uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they they only just started calling themselves a the police now. You know, so yeah. So this person's like, well, if, if you think Russia so bad, you should see America. It's like okay, you know. I got 23 years in America, born and raised, been all over that country. You're not going to trick me. You're not, you know, it's just funny. These these people with this kind of delusional attitude, and you meet them in Russia and you meet them online uh, in these kinds of discussions. Um, you know, they remind me of uh, Louis C.K.'s daughter playing hide and seek. Uh, you, you know, this routine about how his daughter would just go up against the wall and face the wall and kind of cover her face. So, and, and, and it is time, you know, time to, to find her. There you are, you know, I can see you, you know. <laughs> so, and this is what will happen when you have these discussions online, uh, about Russia, is that, you know, it, uh, but it goes both ways. I get these people, I, I get people sometimes, um, and I, I've been in, I've been in debates where I'm fighting two sides at the same time. Uh, on one hand, I, I'm fighting these, uh, these Russophiles who, uh, we're cheering on the Donetsk Republic, uh, you know, the Donetsk People's Republic of Socialism and Freedom, um, and then uh, and in the same debate, sometimes in the same thread, I'm fighting off Maidan supporters. The people are saying, like, no, it had nothing to do with nationalism. Maidan had nothing to do with nationalism. Why do you keep pointing out all those pictures of those, those flags? And they, why do you keep pointing that out? It's all just Russian propaganda. And so you're basically, I just, I just shoot in every direction. So, yeah, avoid the internet.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I, may, may, may I ask you this, this question? Um, so, obviously, um, the best way to learn about Russia and understand Russia is to come here and live here for an extended period of time. But would you, would you suggest to the average Westerner to come and live in Russia? Would I would I recommend that?
0: No. Uh what I would recommend though is if you're one of these people who gets up uh, who gets this obsession with Russia, I like to call this Russia syndrome. It's it's Russia's strange ability to just drive foreigners insane. Um, if you get this kind of obsession with Russia, I think you kinda need to come here and you need to have your illusions shattered. Uh, because it will be a learning experience. Um, and you know, I'm not looking down my nose at you because I was that person. I um my interest in Russia goes back to uh, childhood, um, but I, like I said, I first came here as a teenager, so, and then, you know, after actually coming here, you know, I started more, you could say, more religiously following all the news about Russia, and because I was studying the language, I had rudimentary reading skills, I would try to listen to Russian radio, I was kind of studying on my own, and I, I was devouring anything out of Russia. I just, I lived, I breathed, I ate, I slept Russia all the time. And plenty of old friends I know from back in those days and acquaintances, they could say like, yeah, he was an insufferable little shit who just couldn't shut up about Russia and, you know, moving to Russia. And, uh, you know, and yet in spite of that, in spite of the fact that I'd actually been there and I'd spent all this time studying it, I got back to Russia and, and I didn't recognize this country and it turned out pretty much everything that I'd read uh, mostly from the Western press was wrong. And I had been completely duped. And the good thing, uh, you know, my, my one, uh, I guess you could say, uh, my my consolation here is that, you know, the type of person that says, okay, everything I believe is wrong, better start adapting to reality and better start learning, you know, time to shut up and start listening and, and reading. And, of course, learning the language, being able to speak and converse and read is very important. The Russian social networks are very important, so you can see what people are talking about and, and you know, how they, they're viewing stuff. Um, but the thing is that uh, there are other people sometimes, and you've got to be very careful with these people. There are people who have the same ideas about Russia, and they came here, and it wasn't, you know, it, it is what it is, right? And they have a different strategy for life. Instead of adapting to fit reality, they just change reality to fit their, their idea. I've seen this happen many times. Um, I see this happen all the time. And when I see, you know, I get in arguments with some of these guys where, uh, how dare you criticize Russia? Russia defends the traditional values. And, and in Russia, women will appreciate me. And, you know, I mean, they, they, when I encounter these people and they're so upset, and I want to say, like, look, I'm trying to help you. Because if you go and save up all your money and you stake your life on coming here uh, because you think it's like that, um, you might not, you know, you, you might not uh, make it out very well. I know I know people who didn't make it out of Russia alive. I know people who didn't make it out of Russia alive. Seriously? Yeah. I'm not even going to get into that story maybe sometime. Uh, uh, we'll discuss that over a, a can of wire sometime uh, while we uh, stand at uh, 3 in the morning in, in your uh, parking lot and, uh, you know, screwing about stuff. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, some some people come here expecting uh, some society is going to embrace them. They're going to assimilate, and you know, they don't get they don't get on well in their own country. They're, they're, they feel alienated by American society, and they come here and everything's going to be better. And guess what? You, you're not one of them. You know, this isn't Avatar. It's not Dances with Wolves, where it's like, oh, I'll learn to speak Russian, I'll assimilate, and I'll just I'll just eat nothing but borscht and kachka and, and eat how many, drink all the glass, and then I'll assimilate, and, and I'll, I'll become their leader. You know? <laughs> so um, that, that just doesn't happen.
1: But, you know, that's not to say that um, foreigners cannot come to Russia and live here in normal life. I mean... Oh, yeah, you can. I, yeah, I to say particularly in Moscow. So if you are a foreigner and you want to come, uh, move to Moscow or move to St. Petersburg, another uh, large city... Uh, because one, you will have access to a lot of the comforts of West uh, Western products, uh, you know, fast internet, uh, well not, not all Western products, you know, but <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. Not anymore. <laughs> but um, uh, the thing is I, I, if you're in a large city, and even if it's outside of Moscow, say so Petersburg, if you're in a larger city, uh, people I mean are Understandably understand that there are foreigners that do exist and they do behave a certain way. Um, and you can live here, and it's actually, you know, living in Moscow for example, is quite safe. Uh, a lot of people have asked me before they come, uh, is it safe to be in Moscow? I'm afraid. In uh, fact, I had a, I met a girl, she was a Canadian and uh, she had just moved here and she was afraid to go running because she was told that uh, Russians will attack People who are running because that's bad.
0: Yeah, specifically running, yeah. right? Like it's like weird, weirdly specific. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> like I, I think I think she's confusing Russians with like dogs or something like that. I mean, it's uh, some. Uh, yeah, she she definitely got mixed up there. Um, I had a similar situation with a flatmate that was. Forced on me one time, where he actually left in two days. Not my fault. Uh, I actually tried to keep him here. He came here, he said, you know, it's his first time out of the country, and he's coming here to, to, to live and work. And that, that's a bit tough. When I came here, I came here as part of exchange, and yeah, we had a chaperone, and we had a family looking after us. And, uh, but this, uh, this guy, he's very young, and, and he's just afraid, you know, he's afraid of crime, he didn't speak the language, couldn't read anything. Uh, and, yeah, that situation, that's kind of like jumping into deep end. But, you know what my secret to living here so long is? Uh, there are two things you can do to live a more or less normal life, at least, you know, thus far. Uh, one thing is that you travel. One of the things I love, the reason why I never regret moving here is because I've seen so many, so much of the world, uh, thanks to, you know, the fact that I live here Yeah, I've been to China. I've been to Turkey three times. Going to go a fourth time. Yeah, it's all over. Um, But the second thing, and this is the most important thing, and I definitely want your input on this. Um, If you want to get on well here, you don't have to like everything. You don't have to love everything. And your entire life does not mean to like change into I don't know, fucking Doctor Jivago or something. You do not need to fill your fridge with kvass. And you don't need to make borscht every night, and you don't need to like start uh, fill, fill your bookshelf with all the Russian classics, and you don't need to, you know, you you don't need to uh, start uh, drink, uh, drinking um, uh, vodka and pickles and stuff. Like that. I mean, oh so,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, yeah that's I mean, that should be, but hopefully that would be understandable. I mean, really, uh, to live here normally, um, and you don't have any problems. Is when you're on the street, act like a normal human being. Um, if you are, for example, uh, a group that maybe is not the most respected, for example, homosexuals, uh, you can live here in Russia. But you know, it, it, it just you know, when you when you're out in the street, just oh yeah,
0: I know gay people are living here. Actually, yeah, you know, the thing is, I mean, uh, if you want to see gay people in Russia, just turn on the TV. It's nothing but gay people. It's so like.
1: The entire music um, industry is getting here. The entire, yes. every last one of them. But uh, really, uh, particularly living in Moscow, is a giant city. I mean, somewhere, uh, the official number is somewhere around 12, 15 million, but at any given time, it could be easy 20 million people in the city. Uh, just don't give a shit about anybody else. Um, and it, it going to work because you know no one really gives a shit about you uh, when you're in the metro on the street in the supermarket. Just don't give a shit about anything, and they will ignore you.
0: That is that is something. Uh, that, that, that is the thing is that, um, and this is part of the secret I, I want to talk about is that uh, yeah, one of the biggest problems of Russian society is that uh, you know people don't give a shit about each other. Uh, everybody's just kind of out for themselves. Um, You know, the idea is that, you know, that that America is individualistic and Russia is not. But that's bullshit. It's the exact opposite. Russia is incredibly atomized, individualistic. But that also has some advantages. It's a two-edged sword. Because one thing is that Russians don't get so upset about little things sometimes. Um, Sometimes they do. They can be very sensitive about some things. Um, But, you know, if, if you're with some Russian friends, you get a little drunk, and maybe you, you kind of, you know, say some stuff that offends them or something like that. Um, they kind of just say, like, well, he was drunk. Um, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, it, you know, people are probably speculating, like, well, what, what did you say? What, what kind of offensive thing did you say? Uh, let's not speculate on that. I'm just saying that, you know, when people are drunk, they can do things which are stupid. And Russians understand this. And they tend to be very forgiving and sometimes too forgiving there's some behavior. Um, but it is kind of what, you know, from our culture, I think a problem is that somebody says something stupid one time and you're kind of marked for life. You know what I mean? Whereas in Russia, it's kind of like, well, we are all out on the town and he had like, you know, six beers before saying that. So of course, of course he would have done that. Um, and if, if, uh, like I said, if it, as as we're not talking about something incredibly, you know, serious here, like you know, people being injured or places being burned down or something like that, but generally, people are just like, okay, be fucked up, move on with your life, you know, and that isn't an advantageous thing. But yeah, uh, very true what you're saying about how just leave people alone and just do your own thing and uh, kind of ignore people, and they will ignore you. Uh, I kind of live in a bubble here, you know, and it's possible. I will say it's possible to live in Moscow. And not even have to speak Russian in your daily life, uh, you know, beyond a couple of phrases. And, you know, I'm just in my own bubble here, and that's the secret to surviving, because a lot of people, like I said, there's people who, uh, their, their strategy for, you know, assimilating into Russia means, uh, coming here and just, you know, just constantly talking about Russia and everything Russian with all, and, and Russians don't even understand that, really. Um, when you know when you can't shut up about Russia, it's it's confusing to them because you know they're not upset with Russia. They live here. Why would they be? They spent their whole life here. Um, and uh, that's not assimilation. You know, assimilation is when this becomes your daily reality to the point where it's like, yeah, you, you're I'm doing my own thing. Fuck it. That that that's that's the solution. As uh, as lucy C.K. would say, you know, in, in regards to marriage and kids. Fuck it. Now, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I I would. So uh, I, I would say that if you do venture outside of the safety of Moscow, uh, and you know m- many foreigners will, I, I don't, I don't want to you know scare anybody off. I mean, Russia is full of very beautiful cities and interesting places to go. Um, however, uh, particularly when you have, uh, we'll say, younger men or just just men who like to drink heavily. Uh, which, if you're on a train for any long periods of time, you will encounter these people. Uh, They will be incredibly excited to talk to you uh, if they find out you're a foreigner. um, At first, it may seem uh, kind of frightening. And and I think, for the most part, these people mean well.
0: Yeah, it it really, you know, one thing is sometimes they can be very rude, they can be very blunt, especially now they're very
1: anti-American.
0: But to be honest, um, you're never really in danger. I mean, I've been living here eight years. I've been in some clubs. I've been drunk on the streets sometimes. I don't recommend this, but what happens. And, uh, you yeah, know, the, the closest I ever came to somebody, like, threatening me with some guy who was already drunk off his ass and said that he would, you know, that he had a knife. He was going to stab me if I kept talking to this, this girl next to me. Um, which is funny, because the girl is just playing him. Um, and I, I spotted this immediately. He was trying to play me. There's You know, it's kind of a uh, thing about some girls will go to clubs and just get, you know, free drinks from guys. Um, you know, usually this guy's just too drunk to, to see the game. And uh, so he, he threatened me. I just basically laughed in his face. And uh, he went to the bar for a second. He fell asleep on the bar. and Then security threw him out and fell asleep on the bar. So, yeah, I mean... Uh, it's, and I should point out something about that club. Uh, it is not a club that a foreigner should go to. If, if you don't speak Russian and you don't have some experience here, that, you know, that's, that's like, I do not call it hardcore mode, but it's definitely like a difficult level. It's hard mode. It's not nightmare mode. Well,
1: yeah. And, and, and so yeah, but I think uh, avoiding uh, groups of drunk men um, in any country is probably a good idea if uh, you don't speak the language.
0: So um, yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, and if, if you when, when it comes to safety, um, just apply the same rules that you would in your own country, and you'll probably be okay. Um, but this is not uh, uh, this is not really a third world country. Uh, it might be moving in that direction as a place, but uh, thus far, it's not like that. And uh, if you're just smart, uh, you'll be fine. It's like living like the big Lebowski, basically. That, that's what Russia's like. It's like you are the dude, and you can, uh, if you want, you can drink all the time, and a lot of cursing. No Steve Buscemi, unfortunately, but that's basically what it's like. It's like being the dude. That, that's how you get by here. You don't get by by just constantly talking about Russian stuff and, memorizing the name of every famous church and and it, telling everybody how you drink boss all the time. Nobody cares. Okay, uh, I want to get off topic here, uh, because to be honest, uh, I fucking hate talking about Russia all day. And you brought up an interesting kind of uh, off-topic thing. I'm going to tie it in with Russia a little bit anyway. Uh, but it's the issue of uh, slacktivism. Slacktivism, I guess, would be your lazy slacker activism. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, no, I think it's it's... Best to find right now, it's, it's your, come up in your Facebook feed, uh, for those who have Facebook, which I'm assuming all of you do and spend hours of it a day posting and updating your profile pick and whatnot. Uh, where you, you'll, you'll see things, uh, about Coney or about, uh, Luke Ehrlich's disease, also known as ALS.
0: You know, hey, Coney, Co- 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 uh, 2012, actually, I found quite convincing and, you know, I've never voted before in my life. But, you know, if you're an American citizen abroad, you can vote, you know, the absentee ballot. Um, I was going to vote for Coney in 2012, but then, of course, he didn't win the primary. Um, yeah, he, I mean, it was, it was a slick ad campaign, but I just thought the way that he, you know, took these, these children, they're poor, you know, and gave them, a, you know, taught them useful skills and things like that, got them you know, organized and stuff like that. I thought, you know, that, that's someone who's doing something because it's saying you know, Obama's not really doing anything about it. You know, Lord knows Romney wasn't going to help the situation. Uh, so yeah, Coney 2012. Um, but yeah, the ALS thing, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, everyone's talking about, or everyone was up until recently talking about this ice bucket challenge. Um, what, uh, what what was your what are your thoughts on this uh, subject? Well,
1: um, you know, it, it, it is interesting how uh, the ice bucket challenge has really taken. Uh, a life of its own. So, uh, from what I understand, it, it started off as uh, a, a, a way to raise money to support uh, an organization to help find a cure for malaria disease. Uh, and in doing so, you, as you guys should all know, you have to, if you get challenged to dump a bucket of ice water on your head, uh, you must do so and donate ten dollars to the organization, or not do it and donate a hundred dollars. Um, and well. If you're going to do the Ice Challenge, you have to videotape it or you know, put it on YouTube so the world can see that you are a jackass.
0: Yeah, I mean, no, nobody nominated me, but if they, if they had, uh, I would have nominated them for the Go Fuck Yourself Challenge. Um, or no more specifically, the Go Fuck Yourself with a Cactus Challenge. Um, but my opinion on this, first of all, you're living in Russia, and because of the summer here, you know, like, you you take the – everybody has to take the ice bucket challenge every day for at least a week. Because, see, they do this preventative maintenance on the water pipes here, and that means that they shut off your hot water uh, for at least a week uh, in the summer. It, it's different depending on what your address is. There's actually an Internet site now where you can check to see when they're going to turn your hot water off. Uh, so I already went through that this this summer. And actually, though, a few weeks after that, there was a day, um, there was a day when uh, they had turned the hot water off just for the day without, you know, uh, informing us. So I got to take the Ice Bucket Challenge a couple times that day. Um, but, yeah, not not too impressive here. But this is my opinion about the Ice Bucket Challenge. Um, you yeah, know, just one time, uh, just for a hell of it after this thing, you know, kind of got popular, I started thinking, you know, there must be Ice Bucket Challenge fail videos. And I looked that up, I looked up a compilation of it. Now, what would you expect if someone says, "Some, if I told you that somebody tried to do this ice bucket challenge, and something went wrong, they had an accident, well, what do you think would have happened?
1: I, I would assume they uh, slipped and fell, they missed their head, uh, yeah, I, you know, they, they were unable to fulfill the proper challenge. I... I I mean, I just I,
0: think I, so. Well, like, that, that's what I was going to say. Well, yeah, I, I was going to say that, yeah, you know, that's what you assume is like, you know, yeah, the person maybe like misses they, they flinch, they miss their head, the water gets on the ground, they panic, they slip, they fall, you know, they fall in a pool or something. That, that's what you would expect. But actually, I found that many people had problems. Just with the basic concept of lifting a bucket of water up over the head and dumping it on themselves. You know, and that should be the easiest thing. You know, a difficult task would be, you know, running around with a bucket of water and not spilling anything. This should be, you know, this should be easy. This is the, uh, this is the most basic level here. Uh, but you'd be surprised how, how uh, you know, easily people can, can totally fuck up, uh, you know, something, uh, so simple as dumping water on your head. In one case, a, a guy just like throws an entire cooler at the woman's head. When I say throws at her head, I don't, I don't mean like he tries to like dump it over on her head. I mean like she pours a bucket on her head and a fucking cooler, uh, you know, one of the big ones, you know, the big ones where you put all your food and your, your beers in for the day. He throws the entire cooler at her head, and just hits her in the head. There's, like, no water left in it, either. He's just like, you know, fuck you. <laughs> you know, cooler to the head. Um, and, and now, you know, now now she has, now she has Mugeri's
1: disease because of that. But
0: this this yeah. really
1: shouldn't surprise you, because, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, this, really, this really shouldn't surprise you. I mean, the whole idea of this lactivism. I mean, a lot of it's, like, like, you know, click like if you support, you know, whatever it is. Um, the fact is, doing these actions does not help anybody except for those organizing these activism movements. And um, if, if we go back to the, the Cody 2012, uh, the money, all the money that was generated, which I believe was somewhere around $60 million, just for the, the cody 2012 movement, that money just went to the production company that made the film. Nothing went to these children, nothing went to any of this. Um, but you know, it, it. these are actions that make people feel good about doing something uh, without actually having to put any effort into it. You know, because heaven forbid you go out and volunteer and actually help somebody. I, I want to mention, if, if you actually do want to help out uh, an organization, we do have a link on our website where you can donate money to us directly to help us um, buy beer and, and to make future podcasts. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Uh Russia, you know, Russia without BS and you know, this is podcast Russian Tuesday podcast. Uh this is a good cause, uh because we do help people. Uh we help people by entertaining them and uh we help people sometimes by challenging them, challenging them mentally, just kinda of keep their minds sharp. And you know, just and because we want money. Uh, we need it to buy things that we want, and, and for me, it's, uh, you know, my ticket out of here, I guess you could say. Uh, but you know what, I guess if we really want money, we need, like, advertisements, right? Well, the, the thing is, the thing is, uh, I think what we ought to do is get some free shout outs, you know, and then, uh, you know, see what happens. Like, I was thinking, uh, you know, what, what's a restaurant in, in Moscow that you would do an advertise for? What would you endorse in Moscow? I and mean, think of a place that, you know, Foreigners could easily go to like new expats or people don't speak the language. Like, what's a place where someone can go and they like, I don't know, miss having a cheeseburger with bacon and cheese on it? And you know, it's one of those burgers where you have to like compress it down. Where where could a person go? Okay, all right, all right, all
1: right, all right. If if you're going to push me on this one, push this one. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name any names for this restaurant, but you, you know very well what this restaurant is. Uh, it's a chain of restaurants, and it's an American-style diner, and uh, they actually have the best cheeseburger hamburger in Moscow. Um, and yeah, and it's definitely not called
0: Starlight Diner, with locations near the Tchaikovsky concert hall in Monikovskaya, and also near Chekhovskaya, near Pushkin Square. Definitely not that. Yeah, it's not that. As for other advertisements, um, let me ask you something. Um, you know, what, what do you do when when you, you need a refreshing beverage, Stephen with a P? Um
1: uh, I, uh, I, I, well, I uh, order my slave wife to go to the store and buy me beer.
0: Okay, well, you yeah, it's beer. Like, there's a time for beer, okay, and there's a time for a soft drink. So, let me ask you this though: What if you have? What if, what if you're in this situation, okay? You, 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 you need a refreshing drink, but also you have crippling self-hatred, and you're just mad at the world. Right? Like, because I'll tell you, when I feel that way, I totally reach for Red Devil. Alco Energy. Picks me up every time, slams me down. Red Devil. And, uh, you have a favorite, uh, I think you also have a favorite beverage. It comes out a blue and yellow
1: can. Oh, you, oh, uh, are you talking about alcohol limon?
0: I am talking about alcohol limon. Yes. Alcohol
1: limon is a great beverage. It's cheap. it yeah. has a punch and it reminds me of window washing fluid.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit like imagine Zima and Zima and you know maybe a little like fermented Seven Up. Well, that's basically a Zima, right? You know, um, but uh, yeah, just a little bit of like I don't know, like a. Floor cleaner, pine saw, something, and it just, the ingredient you can't quite put your finger on, it just gives you that way, you you just crack that open and take a sip, and you just feel like you're, you know, you're at a train station restaurant just chilling. Yeah, that's alcoholism, so definitely uh, pick yourself up some alcoholism. Now, as for our our, uh, previous shout out to that uh, diner, as I mentioned again, uh, I don't know if they serve Red Devil or alkaline mode on tap. You'll have to ask about that, but yeah, that's not on us. Okay. All right. And uh, so, any any final thoughts? Anything you want to add? Russia is really cold
1: in the winter. It is. It is. Don't don't guys guys uh, ignore everything we just said. Don't ever come here. Uh, this place is full of bears that wander the streets. Uh, and you will get there.
0: You Do. You are not going to make it out alive. Listen, we are being held hostage personally by the President Vladimir Putin and please, uh, send help and, but mainly money, uh, money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Do you think they want it? They want it real bad. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah. So Steven with a P, um, thanks for being on the show and, uh, We'll hear from you more in the future when we record another episode, so uh, take care.
1: Yeah, go fuck yourself.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Go fuck yourself, everyone. So that's it for our first episode of the Russian Tuesday podcast, and I hope you'll catch our next one coming soon. And with that, I bid you, das vidanya.